0: For entrepreneurs and small business owners, there are no shortage of complex business challenges that require innovative problem solving. And among them, growing your small business, no matter its size or success, often presents unique challenges and unintended consequences. Insodium Podcast with host Renee Walker provides actionable small business growth, branding, marketing, and client development strategies. Delivered through a mix of influencer and thought leader interviews and inspirational stories designed to educate, engage, and empower.
1: Welcome to this episode of Insightium. I am Renee Walker, the host and founder of Insightium, the hub for small business growth strategies. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome Nicole Lewis. President and CEO of Nicole Lewis & Associates to Insightium. Nicole is a passionate client advocate and a solution architect. She works to create high-impact, out-of-the-box initiatives to consistently deliver double-digit ROI for her clients. Nicole will share her progressive business development strategies and the importance of client and donor segmentation with us today. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us on Insightium.
0: Thank you, Renee, for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Awesome. So, you know, we've known each other for a very long time, and I just think you're a phenomenal um, strategist, marketer, and I'm so excited that you've come out on your own, and I know that you're going to do great things in your business.
0: Thank you very much, my friend. I appreciate that.
1: All right. So let's get into it. So I want to hear your very unique perspectives on business development. And I'd like to start with um, kind of doing some a little bit of definition for the audience, right? So mm-hmm. in our space, oftentimes sales and business development are used interchangeably, but you and I both know that they have very different meanings and they're very different functions. So would you take a few minutes and explain the difference between sales and business development?
0: Absolutely. Very simply put, sales is really the exchange of goods or services for money. That's the simplest definition, but that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Sales is just one component of business development. Business development and and the overarching strategy is about defining what will help make your business grow. Does that mean cultivating partnerships, uh, defining new relationships, Um, New products, new services, new business lines. Uh, Does it mean extending or enhancing um, current products and business lines? New sales channels. It's it's a very strategic approach in which sales and and marketing are very important um, products and support mechanisms. But business development is where you start. Sales is what you do to execute on the vision.
1: So in your practice, how do you help your clients with business development specifically?
0: Well, uh, I can give you an example of of a client that I'm working with now. Um, Very important. Grand opening. They're uh, opening a a new training facility um, in Southeast Michigan. And what they had was they had a vision of how they were going to bring um, people in the door. But they had a very narrow scope of what their client base could be. So what I was able to do is talk to them about strategically Based on what your business is doing and what offerings you have, your scope, your reach is much wider than they'd ever thought about. So they only initially thought about athletes to come into this new training facility. What I was able to show them is it's not only athletes, but let's talk to event planners because here's an amazing space where you can host events for corporate team building and all type of events that is another revenue stream for your organization. Let's talk to the faith based community because uh, Southeast Michigan is known for its number of very influential, very large churches that have uh, large fundraisers and they have large uh, youth ministries. Here's another opportunity for you to expand by reaching out to those faith based communities, particularly the youth ministries, and inviting them into your space. So that's just one example of understanding what your overall business is. Uh, planning goals are, and then building a business development strategy that leverages that and and increasing, expanding your view. A lot of time entrepreneurs, particularly small business owners that I run into, they can be a little myopic because they have this thing that they want to get on the market and all they see is what they see. And I like to say that I kind of have that third eye where I see beyond what you see because I'm stepping back and looking at the bigger picture. So that's how I like to, to engage uh, my clients with uh, enhancing or uh, updating, revising their business development strategies.
1: Oh, fantastic. So you talk to me a lot about client and donor segmentation, but for the audience, can you explain what that is and why it's important? Well,
0: segmentation by itself is really just categorizing um, groups, right? It's, it's putting uh, entities into categories. When I say client segmentation, client segmentation is really taking your client base and putting them into categories um, based on uh, multiple characteristics. Um, Why do I think it's important? I think it's important because clients are different. And the one size fits all approach doesn't work to grow, to really grow your business. And everyone knows every survey that's ever been taken, every research uh, report that's ever been given talks about the fact that you are more cost effective and more productive when you can grow business within your existing client base. So client segmentation, breaking your clients into specific categories based on certain characteristics is the way for you to target and and laser focus in on their attributes. So when I talk about segments or categories, what am I talking about? I'm talking about demographics. I'm talking about psychographics. I'm talking about buying behavior. I'm talking about uh, Revenue, I'm talking about cost, how they run their business, how they do their business, how they work within your own portfolio. It's a great thing to be able to take those attributes and then segment your clients because then you can go about uh, initiating or activating your business development plans for your existing client
1: Fantastic. So given what you just shared with us, can you sort of... um, help us understand kind of maybe the top three to five mistakes or faux pas most business owners make in this space. Um,
0: (laughs) Yes. One of the, 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 uh, important ones, I probably the top mistake they make is after I explain, or after you learn about client segmentation and all of the benefits of putting your clients into categories so that you can uh, put uh, plans around them, uh, is that people will say to me, I'll have firms that will say to me, well, I know my clients already and so I really don't need to do that. And (laughs) that's great that you know your clients, but my recommendation is to try the approach anyway, right? Because you might be surprised in what you find and any data, any new data that can help you manage the relationship better um, is good data. And from a cost perspective, If there are initiatives that you can uh, move a group of clients through versus customizing initiatives for each client, um, that's that's a win win for you as well. Mm -hmm. So I say to clients, you know, you may know your client already, but just try this approach. And and we've been successful with those that have adopted.
1: That's awesome. You know, so in my space uh, on the marketing and communication, strategic communication side, when working with clients, I hear similar things. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have time. I already know, blah, 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 blah. And one of the things I always try to share with them is when, you're, when you want to be effective with your communication and resonate with the audience or target or per- prospective clients or ideal clients that you're going for, it's not about what you think they ought to want to know about you in order to do business with you. It's exactly. what they need to know to make sure that they are doing the right thing for themselves. So it's really not about you. So as much as you know about your client, you probably don't know everything you need to know in order for them to feel like you're the perfect solution for them. And of course that's what strategic communications and marketing is all about. So thank you so much for that. So given that. So are there other things that business owners do that you see could be um, putting unnecessary obstacles in their way?
0: Well, it's kind of piggybacking on that. Um Sometimes the client will move forward with uh, the segmentation exercise and then they'll stop. They'll move forward. They'll put the categories, they'll come out with their segments, they'll define them, they'll start working a plan, and something else becomes a priority, and they stop, they don't implement, or they don't execute. That's also the worst thing you can do, Um, particularly because once you put all the work in, now is to see the fruits of your labor, right? I talk a lot about ROI. For everything that you do, you have to measure your return on investment. So they've gone through the exercise, gone through the data mining, only to come to a point where you actually don't implement. Mm -hmm. um, That's what I see. People get so far and then something else becomes a priority and then that's off the plate. But they end up coming back to it later. Mm -hmm. um, Those that recognize that that's really the thing to do. Um, Don't let, you know, I always say, don't let your competitors, right? Mm -hmm. Come in and do what you should have done, right? Because how often do you have 100% of the business? Right, exactly. so you may have 70% of the business, but the, whoever has that 30%, if they're implementing what you think that you don't have time to do, they're going to slowly snatch that client out of your portfolio. Oh,
1: sure. um, mm-hmm.
0: so uh, just remember that somebody else is trying to take what you have, so it's important to make that investment to retain your client base.
1: So, do you see the opposite of that as well, where people are paralyzed because? They um, look at their client base and the segmentation exercise, and they just go really crazy. And mm-hmm. they have so many super segments and whatnot that, because once they're introduced to the concept, at least on the marketing side, I see this all the time. So we help them, you know, segment and we're like, these are the characteristics and here's this group and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh no, 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 no. They should be over here and we should have like six more. And <laughs> <laughs> that is that is so
0: true. And I try to stay, you know, my guidelines, I try to go three to five um, segments because that makes the most sense. Because once you start getting beyond that you're getting into customization it's no longer segmentation you're no longer achieving the economies of scale now you you started to customize because you've got 27 sub segments um, uh, segmentation can be a cost savings initiative because you can group clients together and go after them with the same approach but if you start um, uh, manipulating that and you know are paralyzed you know what they call it analysis paralysis, mm-hmm. It has the opposite effect. It, it's, it's, it's not going to help you. So um, I try to stay in that three to five, um, particularly when you're talking about small business and medium sized business. Mm-hmm. There just can't be that many differences. Um, there are some distinct differences and you're going to see those. It'll, it'll filter out as you look at the data. Mm-hmm. But once you go past that, you're really getting into the minutia and you're not doing yourselves any favors. And whoever your marketing team is, they're going to strangle you because (laughs) that's just too much much for them to accomplish because most small and medium-sized firms have limited resources. right? So maximize the use of your resources and stick to three to five.
1: Absolutely. And that's good just in goal setting um, in general, right? You might have a list of 15 things that you would like to accomplish But I mean, traditionally, you're only going to be able to focus on the three to five in that year. And so prioritizing them and making sure that you really kind of put the resources to your point uh, against those goals so they're achievable and you can have that success is really important. I think oftentimes small business owners particularly get very overwhelmed. And, you know, we're going to start this process and it's going to be great. Then they get into it and it's like, oh, my God. And then they just like you said, like put it down. There's another priority or whatever not. And I think that, you know, having a long long term vision, long term set of goals is great. But if you can segment those even into three to five, I think you have a better opportunity to be successful as well.
0: Absolutely. I once had a um, a very good friend of ours who is a who is a coach, a personal coach, always talks about the the power of three, mm-hmm. right? And three things per day, three goals per quarter. She always talks about three. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lived it. Um, she emphasizes, you know, she tells us that all the time. Exactly. <laughs> and I just think it's I pass it along to my clients because I think it's it's the right thing to do. Um, so that 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 three to five, you're, you're right on target. We both agree there. Um, Absolutely. That's
1: the way to go. So, now that we've kind of framed some of the um, obstacles that we put in our way of being successful, can you now share with us um, maybe your three best actionable strategies that can be implemented right away to show greater success?
0: So, absolutely. Number one, review your client data and create segments. Don't paralyze yourself. We talked about that. Um, There are going to be some natural and unnatural splits in the data. Go for it. Don't get into analysis paralysis. Just as Nike says, just do it. Just look at the data and create those three to five segments and keep it moving. Um, Number two, identify where you have data gaps and then work to secure that information. You may find out that consistently there's a piece of data that's missing that you thought you captured or that you didn't think was important until you went through the segmentation exercise. So identify what those are and then put a plan in place to capture those gaps, um, to capture that data, I'm sorry. And and remember that this segmentation exercise is fluid, right? Because you're going to have goals for each segment to move these clients along a continuum, right? Your growth continuum, along the relationship continuum. So they're going to move from segment to segment. So it's okay to update the segment because you don't want your clients to stay in the the same segment. That's not the goal. The goal is to grow them and to move them along the continuum. So it's a fluid process. Don't um, uh, be dismayed if uh, you don't have everything to start. the 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 deal here is just start, (laughs) okay? Gotcha. And then third and lastly, excuse me, collaborate and create the targeted plan. Get your sales. Your marketing get all your resources. Your finance, your ops people. Sales may have a great idea. Marketing may have a great idea, and the ops is going. We can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> saying, I don't know if we can afford that. So you may have to reallocate some resources, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you may want to target some customers with new, uh, with a segment with a new initiative, and you need to know that ops can pull it off. Uh, marketing needs to know that they can support what you're doing. The sales team needs to know that those tools are going to help them do their job better. So collaborate, 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 and then create the plan that works across the firm and don't do it um, in isolation. And the the return on your investment, the benefits of the plan, the success, the tools that you give the people that are in front of the clients um, are uh, enormous. And they will appreciate you for going through this exercise and helping them make their their job easier by being focused and targeted on outcomes. Right. So those are my three tips. I think that's those are really the keys to success when you talk about client segmentation.
1: That was awesome. So I want to go back to the first tip in terms of segmentation at a very high level. Could mm-hmm. you just sort of walk through? Um, like for example, you mentioned the number of attributes and characteristics that you might use to make your different um segmentation. So, how do you decide mm-hmm. what those are?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I will use uh, my most recent example working with a nonprofit um client. It was very um interesting. When we looked at the data, <clears throat> we ended up coming up with five different um segments. Um it was interesting because it was very clear. There was some very natural splits. So for example, there were donors to this nonprofit that very clearly, all they did was attend events, period. Events was it. So that's a whole category of folks, but that's all they did. Then there are donors who clearly um, only make contributions. They don't attend events. They don't purchase uh, raffle tickets. They don't participate in any activities. They write checks and make donations um, versus uh, uh, via uh, EFTA. State. So that's what they do. They, they just write checks. Then there's a group of uh, donors that are funders, right? So they're corporations mm-hmm. and they are also family foundations, etc. cetera. Um, they act very similar. Foundations, family foundations act very similarly. Corporations act very similarly. Um, when I say act, they have metrics and compliance, and things that are very similar across the board. They're looking for the same thing. Um, people that go to events, why do they only go to events? Because events are fun to them. They look, for, They're looking for the experience to help make an impact. Mm-hmm. So you come out with these categories just by looking at how they've behaved through the years. So we went back and looked at really three good years of data and saw that there were very natural splits. Um, In terms of how people participated with this particular nonprofit, you can do the same thing with your sales data. How do people buy? What do they buy? If you look at um, a client, uh, uh, talk about a client who was in the restaurant and catering business. Right. Mm -hmm. So you look at um, they've made the decision to move out of the restaurant business completely because the majority of their revenue and they figured out their sweet spot was really in the catering space. And they were not really effectively uh, being tours, And so that was a uh, that was a business line decision, right, is to remove mm-hmm. themselves from one, um, because when they looked at the data, they said, you know what, this is it, it's we're open for business. We have a good client base, but this is not really where we are our best and where the majority of our clients and the cost of doing business and where our sweet spot is really in that private experience, those catering. So these are things you learn from looking at the data and saying, okay, now I'm going to run my business differently and I'm going to develop my business differently. And as a result, they are now looking at partnering with another organization to get into banquet space, et cetera. So they've moved from restaurant (laughs) to catering company to now banquet hall uh, proprietor. Um, So they're expanding their business another way. But that was by getting them to look at who are really your customers and what are they spending with you and how should you most effectively spend your time and maximize the opportunities that are being put before you. So those are two examples of of recent interactions with uh, both nonprofit and uh, corporations or firms that I've
1: worked with. Do you have any final thoughts or key takeaways you'd like to share with us?
0: Um, well, yes, I think the most important one is that, um, review, I want everyone to review their business plan regularly, because a lot of times we write the plan and then we don't really look at it again for a year or two, right? So, because we're so busy implementing it, right? So, review your plan and really look to see if you developed a comprehensive business development strategy and plan, or did you just put in place some sales initiatives? So do you have an overarching strategy or do you just have initiatives um, to grow the business? The second thing is one size does not fit all um, for for growing your client base and for business development. As a small business owner, there are so many obstacles. I'm finding out there are so many obstacles that come in your way. But there are also a lot of opportunities um, for you to grow your business. So, you know, focused on the opportunities And invest more, I love the saying, invest more in your rent, right? You've already won with your existing clients. So invest in them. It's really the right thing to do to maximize your overall potential and um, opportunities for new business growth.
1: That's awesome. And you're exactly right. You know, um, oftentimes when we're looking to develop new revenue or get more clients, we always focus on the external and trying to, you know, create opportunities with new companies. And there's always um, a a space for that. But to your point, it's far more effective to work and build out relationships and expand upon the clients and relationships that you already have, that they're already doing business with you. You already have a positive relationship with them. And so figure out how you can help them more um, is much more cost efficient in terms of client uh, acquisition cost and and the like, and your revenues Mm -hmm. will be a lot higher as a result of that. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And and the thing that, you know, we both know that those relationships that you build with those existing clients um, lead to referral business, right? Mm -hmm. And it's all about relationships and who, you know, and um, especially as a small business owner, your name, And your reputation is everything and so the further entrenched you are um, with a client the more likely they are to refer you um, within their network to help grow your business so it's extremely important that you move those wins along that relationship continuum and the way you do that is to personalize your approach by making sure that you have segments if you create those segments you can get real personal but you can do it at scale and make it cost effective and efficient for your organization to thrive.
1: Oh, that's awesome. You know, one of, um, there's a study and I can't recall at this moment, uh, who actually did it, but it's been done several different times by different organizations. And they almost always come up with, uh, numbers within, you know, one or two points and what the, it's around referrals and the whole idea of referrals. And so Um, They say that 91 percent, give or take, of your clients would give you a referral, but only 11 percent are actually ever asked. Exactly. How much money are we leaving on the table? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Because you're so busy closing the deal, closing the deal, closing the deal that you sometimes forget to grow the relationship, grow the relationship, grow the relationship. Right. Um, I remember that study it has been done. I, it's, it's probably done every couple of years, Renee, but I, I'm going back. I mean, the first time I heard it was probably 20 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And- it is. It's, it's about asking. But you have to be in that space. You have to be um, entrenched in that client. You have to understand what's important to them. Um, and that's what your marketing team helps you do. Right. So because your marketing team helps support you, your marketing resources, help support you and say, this is what folks are going to be thinking about in the future. So you your job as the trusted advisor um, in the client relationship is bring those things forward to the client. Right. And so once you do that, you are so locked in to them and you just keep delivering good value, good services, good product. Um, They will refer you. They will say they will refer you. And in this digital age, you know, the reference could be a phone call, an email, LinkedIn, Facebook. It could be a variety of ways that they can refer you and say good work was done by this firm. And I highly encourage them. So I think small businesses have to do a better job. Of leveraging that, I think knowing, getting to know their customer better and tailoring their messaging, tailoring their offerings and their initiatives, um, is is a key in that in that
1: puzzle. Absolutely, so absolutely. Okay, so anything else at all would you like to share with us?
0: Well, I. Well, I'm, I'm very excited. As you mentioned, um, this is a relatively new venture for me. And after years of being prodded by you and others, um, I am, I am finally out here on my own and loving it. I am, this is not just business for me. This is passion. I am passionate about this and about helping small to medium sized businesses grow. I've worked with, as you know, we worked with global organizations in the Fortune 500 and the Fortune even 50, 100 for years. And um, we help to make, to help those grow, those businesses advance. And so now it's time to take that expertise. You do it from a PR and communication standpoint. And hopefully I will get the opportunity to do it with many more small and medium-sized firms to help them with their business development strategies. It's what I'm passionate about. It's what I do. So I appreciate the opportunity and letting me come in and offer some advice and some wisdom um, to your audience. It has Thank truly so- been my
1: pleasure. Thank you so much, Nicole. Um, I am delighted that you were able to join us today. And the information that you've shared is just phenomenal as you are as a person as well. So thank you so much. And uh, keep me posted on how things go. Now, I know that um, my audience is going to be very interested in contacting you. So I will put your contact information as part of this uh, post so they'll be able to reach out to you as well. Thank you for joining me for today's Insightium podcast episode. I hope you found today's podcast informative, insightful, or inspirational. Visit Insightium.com, the hub for small business growth strategies, for additional resources. And be sure to join us next time for another Insightium podcast to help you grow your small business. Come back often and feel free to add our podcast to your favorite RSS feed, iTunes, or your favorite mobile app. You can also follow me on Twitter at RWSpeaks and sign up at insidium.com and be the first to receive exclusive information, tips, and tools. All links are in the show notes. Until next time, be bold, aim high, and play hard.
0: Thanks for listening to the Insidium podcast today. To keep moving forward in your business and your entrepreneurial career, Grab the show notes, check out resources, and catch up on any missed episodes at Insidium.com now. This has been a Renee Walker and Associates production. Join us next time for another edition of the Insidium podcast.